0: Greetings in the name of Christ again tonight, we come humbly before you. I was blessed by that song, Come Gracious Spirit. I, I really, really enjoy that song. And I, I thank you for leading that. God bless us with His Holy Spirit presence. Unless the Holy Spirit of God is present with us, we're wasting our time. And we don't want that to happen. So. I want us to appreciate again what God has done. Well, I ask you again today, how did God work in your life today that confirms that you're risen with Christ and seeking those things that are above? I'm asking you to think that through. Have you today set your affections on things above and not on things in the earth? To set our affection on the earth would be to be worldly. I love that kind of stuff that the world has to offer. That is a worldly mindset. But he corrects us and he says, no, ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, I wonder how many of you are brave enough to say, I think I could quote that, but I'll give you an open book test. How's that? Is that a deal? How many of you think you could, if you could, stand up? If you think you can do it without actually looking at the scripture. All right. Anybody else brave enough to help that gentleman? All right. There's some more. You see, that's good. That's good. Look at that. I like this. I like this. It, it, it's, this is called positive peer pressure. All right. That's good. All right. Those of you that are standing, Colossians 3, 1 through 3, you may look at your Bibles if you need to. All right. We're going to have the rest of you standing a little bit, but for those standing, let's say it together. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Everyone please stand. And if you need to read it, that's fine. I like to pay attention to it so I don't lead you astray. Here we go. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. God bless you. You may be seated. I appreciate your participation and your uh, trying. And I notice, I don't want to stare, but I notice some of you could have stood and done it. God bless you. But I know how it is. Stage fright is real. And so you stand and all of a sudden your mind goes blank. I get it. I understand. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Last night we were in Ephesians 4. Tonight, Ephesians chapter 5. I want us to think seriously about the relationship between husband and wife. It would be a message about the family... There are many things to think about. I want to read starting at verse 18 in chapter 5 of Ephesians. Please follow along. And this is why that song really spoke to my heart tonight about asking God's Holy Spirit to come. It says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Someone has said, are you sure you want the Holy Spirit to, to be the, the leader in your life? He will demand control entirely. If he is going to be present in your heart, he will require total control. That's major. Because there's some things that I don't, I struggle to let go with once in a while. Be not drunk with wine. See, the analogy is when you take into your body alcohol, fermented drink, it affects All parts of your body. That's what happens. But don't be drunk with wine. Especially with excess. But be filled with the Spirit. The implication is if the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and your life. All facets of your life will be affected. You can't have it any other way. That's the way it works. If you're going to declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. He will demand entire ownership. You need to think about that seriously. Let's move on. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives to be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You see the concept of the Holy Spirit indwelling? The reason is because God wants entire ownership that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So, in the same way, in the same manner, ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Tonight I want to speak about the husband-wife relationship. And I want us to think about different relationships for just a little bit. If you have animals in your home or in your farm or whatever... A man might have a relationship that he likes a certain horse. And he likes the features of that horse and how that horse behaves. He might even like a special hammer. My father did. He had a certain hammer and us boys were not really allowed to use it. Uh, How about a man with his car? I mean, he might even dust the thing on the inside. Nebraska, you'd have to. Or how about a housewife that has a certain broom that she uses a certain place, and it doesn't sweep the sidewalks. There's a special relationship that she has with that broom, and that broom with her, now I know it's an inanimate object, I understand that. But you understand the point. Uh, There's a lot of things that we could talk about. A dentist has a relationship with his patients, and his patients have a relationship with the dentist. They go to that dentist because they like him. You're going to have pain. You want a nice person doing it. <laughs> I guess. Teachers with their pupils. How many of you still remember looking back in your days at school and you think about a certain teacher and you get a warm feeling about that teacher and you appreciate now what that teacher did? Sure. That means you had a special connection to that person. It meant a lot to you. Now, listen, a hammer or a vacuum cleaner or something like that can't respond back, it's a machine. It's some kind of a tool. It's not a living thing. It's an inanimate object. It's non-living. But human relationships are more than that. And they're more than a principle of just stewardship. So it's not as though one person owns another person. That's not it. It's not like an inanimate object. What about human relationships? Does the Bible have anything to say about those? You see... In our churches, we have homes and families, and we teach and we preach that there ought to be good, solid homes that teach their children. We want to get into that later and get into some pretty practical things. Uh, We know that uh, during the period of time in which the Bible was written, there were no cars or no vacuum cleaners or no mechanical dishwashers or anything like that. But men have had tools for centuries. But since creation of man, there's always been human relationship once God created Eve. Tonight, I want us to focus on the human connection between a man and his wife, the wife and her husband. I want us all to understand that a husband is more than just a source of income for the wife's whims, things that need to happen in the home. and The wife is more than an object. That a husband and wife relationship is special, and in the Christian economy, in the New Testament, there are specifics. Now, you might be sitting here saying, well, listen, but you don't know it, but I'm not married. Well, I have some things for you tonight as well, and so I would ask you to listen. And I think it's important that we understand some concepts. In the beginning, man was created, and he was alone. Go with me to Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, this is right. You know, right the very beginning of, 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 the, of, of the creation period. And in verse 18 it says, in chapter 2, the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. It's not good. Now remember, he, was, he had nobody. No one. I will make him and help meet or suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help, meat, or suitable for him. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, I think he took a look and he said, well, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. There is the, one of the first references to a relationship between a man and a woman. And I think this was a perfect relationship. They were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. Sin had not come into the world. There was things a bit different at that point. God graciously pitied Adam's solitude, I think. It was not good that this man should be alone. Though there were upper world of angels and a lower world of animals and brute beasts. Here was man between. And into man he had breathed the breath of life. Notice all the beasts it says were created out of dust as well. Had God taken the initiative to breathe into the nostrils of a cow. Which he did not. And I have no reason to believe he should have. That cow would not be the same as what you know today. But he didn't do that. He breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. That is one question that evolutionists cannot answer. And that is, when did man become God conscious if he evolved? And that is the one important aspect we're talking about tonight. We're talking about a spiritual relationship between mankind and his God. And how that affects his relationship with his wife. It's not good that he should continue like this alone, I think is what God was saying. Now in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, For the man was not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. In 1 Timothy 2, it says, Adam was first formed, then Eve. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says, two are better than one. Because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow and woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he shall not. He hath not another to help him up. You know that's true. Their labor, it says, there's good reward for their labor. That sounds like it's plural. I want to apply this to the husband and wife relationship, how they need to work together to accomplish common goals. Now, there's a lot of things that ought to be said, and it can't all be said in one sermon, but the concept here in Ecclesiastes 4 is that two people are better off together in helping one another than one person trying to make it on his own, because they have good reward for their labor. God intends that, but again, I would repeat, not all people are married. I get that. I understand that. And there are sometimes I think you can serve God better in a single situation than you can married. They, if if one falls, they need help to to lift them up. But I I I, I have some things I want to share later on about this. Let's begin about talking about the marriage relationship fashioned and recognized by God in Genesis two verse twenty three. Here it says. That Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife. They shall be one flesh. One flesh. I believe there's one flesh in spiritual goals and relationships. There's also one flesh in physical body, physical things. There's a relationship that's physical. We can talk about that later. But I want to be careful and observe what it is that God's talking about here. You've heard this before. I think it was Matthew Henry that said it. The woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. Here was the first marriage. First marriage ever. God was her father. God was his father. Both came to the other in a special sort of way, of which no other man or other woman ever came before or after in the same way. I think that's kind of special. Eve was made especially for Adam. I'm clear in that. I think the scripture is clear in that. They were in many ways opposite, but likely more well-matched than any other couple since. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. God the Father of both created them. The one from the other and the one for the other. And both together serving God. Adam's immediate response was, this is now bone of my bones. I know there's a lot of jokes that are made that are cruel about husband-wife relationships. And I think they're wrong. I don't think they're good. And about the relationship, I know some of them are funny. I understand that. But I think we need to be careful and respectful about this relationship. How important is the family unit in your mind? Think about it. Think about it. What would you want your children to be more than godly? What would you want? To become wealthy? In Proverbs 18 it says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. I I, Psalm 19, uh, Proverbs 19, houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. I, I'm so thankful for a godly wife, and I say that because I feel that way. It is such a blessing. You know what I'm talking about. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. A virtuous woman is the crown of her husband. She maketh but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones you see we're not talking here about any woman we're talking about one that is prudent one that is virtuous virtuous means that there's inner qualities that we're referring to inner qualities prudence has to do with being circumspect godliness again let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5 Ephesians chapter 5 where we were earlier I think it's important. Husbands, if you're here tonight, or if you're listening on the telephone, wives, if you're listening, if you have a husband, and if you don't have a husband, I would ask you to think about the principles that I'm teaching tonight through the scriptures. And if I am incorrect, please correct me. I stand corrected if I make errors. I'm not above error. The first of the three points I want to make is number one, there's submission. There's a general principle that governs. Number two, I think there is a specific submission, specifically in marriage. There are specific principles that govern. And number three, there's a headship order of who is in charge. I want to start with the first one. It's in verse 21, submission. Any human relationship is not possible to succeed if it's driven by pride. If there are two proud people that come together, it's like they resist one another because the one thinks they're smarter than the other one, and the other one thinks it's smarter than the one first. And they constantly go after each other because they're constantly fighting against each other because neither understands the principle of submission. This begins the discussion in verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, I take that to mean that the spiritual relationship, the relationship that you may have with God and can have and ought to have, is key to success in working together. Sometimes couples tend to think that they have to treat their brothers and sisters in Christ in a more sweet tone. Than they treat their spouse. Their husband or their wife. I think that you need to be careful about that. You need to keep and guard this principle carefully. Uh, somebody I heard him say one time. Well that's just my wife. I, you know what I almost said. Well I'll say it. I felt like kicking him. Now that wasn't a very nice thought was it. I said, that's just my wife. Well now wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't think he had a real good attitude toward his wife. No, I really didn't want to kick him. But you understand what I was thinking? Now, come on. I knew that man's wife, and she was a godly woman. That's not how to talk about your wife. That's not how to talk about your husband. No, it says in verse 21, it says says, submitting yourselves one to another. In the fear of God. So you see both of yourselves as necessary to incorporate humility and submission one to another in this unit. And in this unification of of principle and life. I want us to examine some scripture that teaches us how to treat others. How are we supposed to treat others? Above all others, human relationships. these, These concerns ought to be first in our mind and they ought to be first practiced in our homes. Respect. Consideration. Kindness. Uh, Men, we fall down in that area sometimes. Maybe I should just not say we. Sometimes I fall down in that area. Because I've got so many things I want to do. And I, I just quickly say something and it's not sounding real kind. How about this one? Having your best manners. Sometimes men can be kind of crude. Wives, I guess you've noticed that. It's true. We men ought to think about that. Manners. How about politeness? Submitting yourselves one to another, willing to be the servant for the other. And this works two ways. You say again, I'm not married. Listen to me. Submission is an attitude of the heart that can be incorporated into all aspects of life, whether there's marriage or not. Courteousness. Being courteous. Thinking, speaking, and deeds of our life reveals to those around us what we value. I hear some people treating their puppy dog in their house better than they treat their children. There's something wrong with that. Sometimes we forget that thoughts precede actions, and that deeds are incubated by those thoughts. So, how we think in our hearts is very important. In Philippians two verse three, it says, "Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness in mind or of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves." Now, let nothing be done. Let's apply that verse to the marriage, to the family. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Now, listen, Uh, young men, if I can just point out to you, if you should be looking for a wife, I'm going to be careful where I look. But if you should be looking for a wife, you need to think about these principles. Don't let anything be done through strife or vainglory. Vainglory means empty self-conceit. You know, thinking more of ourselves than we ought to. It indicates a presence of pride. I think we need to think about this command carefully. Then it says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, if you're going to choose a wife... I think it would be a good idea to think very carefully about in lowliness of mind. If you see these seeds in the heart of a young lady at age 17 or 18 or 19 or 20, you name the age. If you see seeds of the opposite of lowliness of mind, I predict, I think accurately, that as time progresses, if that's not resigned to the control of the Holy Spirit those things are going to go to seed on you, and the next thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to get frustrated in that marriage. And it could be a serious matter. Now, this command forbids us to do anything or attempt anything that would result in strife or self conceit. This is not the principle from which we are to act, not at all. We're to form no plan. Aim at no object which is to be secured in this way. The command prohibits all attempts to secure anything over others by mere physical strength or force. Or by superiority of intellect or or of numbers or the result of dark schemes and plans that are formed for rivalry in the relationship. Or by the indulgence of angry passion like we heard last night. The spirit that's behind it is awful sometimes especially. And yet, how often is this rule violated? We often do not think of these scriptures as relating directly to the husband-wife relationship. We might think about it as just Christians. But listen, let me tell you, don't let anything happen in your relationship with your wife or your husband or your family that would be done through strife or vainglory. All right? It goes on in Galatians 5 to say, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another or envying one another. Now you shouldn't desire vainglory, neither should you provoke one another, that means to irritate or aggravate. Not envy one another, that means jealous of somebody, having a covetous spirit. Instead we're told to provoke one another to good works. Honey, I think this would work better. What if we'd tried doing it this way? Helping. We're told to help one another. Envying. Think about this. Maybe there's a wife that's wanting the husband's position. She wouldn't come out and say it, she just does it. The wife wanting the husband's position and authority versus her God given role. Folks, this is huge. I've preached in a lot of churches and observed a few things. And I'm telling you, this is a huge issue. Because of the husband-wife relationship in the church sometimes. Because it spreads from their home into the church. Who is running the church at times? It's troubling. Maybe a wife is envying her sister's wealthy family. They have new carpets and vacations and new vehicles. They redecorate the house every two years. Maybe the wife envies her cousin's elegant home while she lives in the modular. Maybe. The husband, he's envying his sister-in-law's behavior versus his own wife's. Listen, you keep your your, your eyes only for your wife, not for another. Maybe a husband is envying his friend's ability to make deals, and he can't. This doesn't seem to work for him. He might be envying and complaining about his wife staying at home while he has to travel, or vice versa. The wife might be envying the husband and complaining that she must always stay home and he eats out all the time, and why can't I? Folks, these are kind of real issues. It can happen. Ask yourself, what am I doing to provoke my mate? You know, you you knew that it irritated him. What? What? while you file your nails and he's trying to talk to you? For some reason that irritates him, but you do it. You know why you do it? Well, maybe because you're trying to send him a signal. I don't know. You know she's irritated when you read the paper while she's trying to tell you about her day. That can happen. But I'm getting back for what he did to me last week. I haven't forgotten it yet. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And folks, I take that to mean that it even extends into the family. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. He'll exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. How does humility display itself, you think? When the husband-wife relationship is wearing humility as the garment that he's supposed to be and she's supposed to be tied with securely. It means literally to be clothed with humility. It means to be tied fast in a fast knot. Tied on. Love can rule the home and serve each other. It's a pleasure. Romans 12 says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Uh, what example are you to the children if you are snipping at each other and snapping at each other? So the first point I have is mutual submission. Second thing I want us to notice in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. There's a specific submission. Submission. Now, if you're without a husband or without a wife, you're without a a partner, I think it's possible for you to have a godly, submissive spirit so that should God bring someone in your life, you're prepared to move forward. I remember when someone came to me and said, how should I proceed with life? And I said, do your best To perfect the godly virtues that God exalts in the scriptures. And prepare yourself in a godly manner. So that if God brings someone in your life. Allow him to do that. Rather than you chasing it. They did that. And God brought someone in their life. Wives. Submit yourselves. So if you don't find a partner at this point. Work on the concept of submission. Whether it's male or female, having a godly attitude so that there's resource within so that you can reach deep inside your soul when things go hard and wrong. The command here is to submit oneself, to be under obedience. It's a matter of your will. I know it's not easy sometimes, but it is required of God. That's what it says. Wives, submit yourselves. It's an act of your will. And then it says unto your own husbands. Now, go with me to Titus chapter 2. We'll go there for just a brief moment and then we'll come back again. But in Titus chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, The aged women likewise. Aged women. Listen, let me tell you something. Marriage is not a total fulfillment for, for serving God. In other words, you can find fulfillment in life without marriage. If your goal is to please God... You desire God's will in your life. And you can be submissive and godly and a, a, a warm person that can encourage others around you. And you can be an aid to them at times. Um, it says in Titus 2, 3, the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh Holiness. The use of the word becometh there, it's not as though that this is a progression. I am becoming holiness. That's not it. The concept is, uh, you've heard someone, uh, maybe the ladies say one to another, Oh, that sweater is so becoming, it's just your color. That's the concept. Now look at it. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness. So your behavior... Is becoming to holiness. It's attractive. Your character is such that it contributes. And, and it, 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 it builds up the concept of holiness. Uh, not false accusers. Not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. Verse 4. That they may teach the young women to be sober. Now listen. All right? So if you do not have a partner, you may teach the younger women to be able to be sober, to help, to teach them how and show them. Sometimes from a distance, you can see better what ought to happen in that relationship than those that are close by. To love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. I think that is a key principle. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Listen, wives, those of you that have a husband, you are commanded to be respectful and honor your own husband. There are ways that you can talk with your husband and ask questions about various things in life that will contribute to building him up and building you up at the same time. The unsaved misunderstand this teaching. They think it's a terrible thing that we put women down like this. The Equal Rights Movement, the National Organization of Women, they don't understand this concept of all. You know why? Because they don't understand the concept of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They don't get it. And how could they? In Colossians 3.18, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. So important. 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That wording is critical. The subjection and submission is illustrated in the submission that the Christian has to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church and the concept there. The wife has one husband. And it is to that husband that she's required to show her submission and her allegiance and her dedication to. She withdraws from the leadership role. She might be a better leader than he, but she withdraws deliberately because she knows that's not her God-given role. There might be times that they close the bedroom door and they have a discussion. And father and mother talk about various things. But she's willing, a submissive woman is willing to withdraw from the leadership role. I think it's important to catch that it's to that husband that she's required to show her submission. She does not act as the leader. She will make statements like, let me ask my husband. That's right. She organizes the home. She's acting under his authority. She rejects the opportunity to be in charge, even if the husband is not the best leader. She can help him and, and, and guide in principle, helping and, and supporting. But she's not the head of the home. By this, she gives the home order and structure. She clearly avoids situations where she can act like she's in control. Since it's not her role, in her godly spirit, she says, I'm not comfortable doing that. I must, I must yield to my husband. The third one I have is headship order. And I would take that from verse 23, where it says, for the husband, back in Ephesians 5 again, I'm sorry, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Now, in 1 Corinthians 11, you know how it says, the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. That's God's universal order. That, that's just the way God created it. The sense is that she's subordinate to him in all circumstances, in her demeanor, how she clothes her body, her conversation, her conduct, her conduct in public, and the family circle should recognize that she truly is in subordination to him. She's not inferior in spiritual value in any way. In fact, it says, I think, in the book of Galatians, in Christ, we're neither male nor female. But she's inferior, or I would rather use the word lesser, in responsibility in home matters. Her husband is her head. She finds security in the honorable order that's prescribed by God. And she wants to honor that order because it's becoming to holiness. Of Jesus Christ, it's said that he is the head of the church in Colossians. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Allow me to deviate for just a little bit. The Catholic church made a serious error. They elevated the church above the scripture. And I'm telling you, the scripture is Jesus Christ in print. That's what I believe. And I think it clearly gives us direction. And the church ought not vote on things that are clear in the scripture. Vote to negate them. Or decide, shall we do this or shall we not? No. Christ is the head. And in the same way, we have a headship order that God has declared for the home as well. Just as it's improper for the church to ignore the commands of Christ in scripture. In the same way it's improper for the wife to take her own way, ignore the wishes of her husband and the head of the home being ignored. The husband is clearly the head in this husband-wife relationship. He needs to take leadership. How can he take leadership? What kinds of things can a father do to build up his family? I want to give you some practical things. If you're considering starting a family, finding a mate. Look for some of these qualities as possibilities in that person, male or female. Look at it both ways. Look for the opportunity to find things that speak of leadership in spiritual ways. The father, he can lead in spiritual ways. In this case, if it's the boyfriend prior to marriage. Uh, Girls, look for that person That can lead in spiritual ways. During courtship. Making choices. That have to do with values. That would point to a godly home. So that later in life. You will not regret what you've made. As a decision that you have to live with. Uh, The leader in the home. Can discuss spiritual matters. To discover what each other believe. and, And what they see as spiritual goals. And objectives. You can spend time together praying. I Again, uh, our son was dating a girl from Indiana, and I had to check something in the basement, and I walked in on their prayer before they hung up. That blessed my heart. Another time I, I used to have a lot of trouble with my back, and I was laying on the bed and probably laying on ice, I don't remember. Son walked in. And he said, Dad, can I come in and talk to you? I said, well, sure. came in and talked to me. He laid down beside me. And this is just enough about to make me cry, folks. But he said, Dad, I want to know what you think about my girlfriend. Boy, I tell you what, that just made my heart swell. I said, well, God bless you, son. And I went on to tell him. I thought he would made a wise choice, and it's proven to be a wise choice. I want you to be able to think about how that you need to see someone that can discuss what you anticipate in home life. How well you want the home to run. I think you ought to be able to discuss scripture. What do you think about this passage? What what did you think about the Sunday school lesson? Folks, listen. These are not bad things to think about prior to marriage. How about courtesy and politeness? Think about it, guys. Think about it. The next thing I have is the father can lead in family worship. Times when the Bible is read. I know you probably start with Bible stories when the children are young. My father advised us before we had our first child. Pray like Hannah did. That God would give you wisdom how to lead that child. Sing together. Make prayer a routine so that the children are used to that. Then as the family grows and gets a little older, you can help them with schoolwork, Dad. You can help them with their memory work. The children need help sometimes. You can review their flashcards or their word recognition cards. Show interest in their schoolwork and their homework. And don't you go saying things like, yeah, that teacher, I don't understand why they make you do that. Oh, you just destroyed. Don't you do that. But Davy never told me to say that. <laughs> support their teacher in schoolwork. There might be times that the teacher didn't understand everything. But you're going to have to support your teacher and seek to understand And then, as you get further in the family, there might be times you need to share the load in the house duties, especially when the wife is overwhelmed with her duty. Don't just come in and plop in the lazy boy and and, and just say, Well, uh, where's my slippers? Somebody get my slippers. Uh, You know, that's probably appropriate sometimes, but be a little careful. What about the dishes? Mama, she's been washing dishes three times a day for how long? I know, I don't like to wash dishes either. Laundry. What about the vacuuming? You can sure run that vacuum cleaner, can't you? Here's one. Fathers, you need to lead in child discipline. Now, I'm not saying that you're the only one that can can discipline. I'm saying you need to be the leader in, in, in the discipline of the children especially when your wife is there, does your wife have to step in and take care of the discipline because you're busy taking a nap on the recliner? Or is it your job? I think it's your job. Or when you're visiting at a social function someplace. Are you aware as a father, as a husband, are you paying attention where the children are? What are they doing? You remember what you were like when you were a child that age. There were some times your parents should have checked on you too. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Number five I have here, take the lead in relating life of the family to godly purchases. My wife and I decided a long time before our children could even understand much that we wanted to invest in a good set of Bible story books. We We still have those books, don't we? The grandchildren are reading them now. We're reading them to the grandchildren so Godly books. You know, I'm troubled about some of the CCM. You know what that is, don't you? Contemporary Christian music. I'm troubled by some of the style of music that's attractive. That's a whole big subject. You can destroy the values of your home by bringing certain kinds of music into your home and introducing your children to the wrong music. I think it ought to be consistent with godly values, it becomes holiness. It's becoming to holiness. Godly music, godly recreation. Yes, you need times. You go out there. and I still remember times when my dad came out there and pitched a softball. I had no idea he could pitch like that. He struck me out. There's once in a while you might need to take your wife out, go out to eat. It's okay. I don't think you ought to get extravagant about that. I don't think you ought to make it a financial burden. I think you ought to be careful to live within your means. I'm not telling you that you need to do it every week. I'm just saying that your wife would enjoy a break once in a while. You're away from home all the time. I tell my wife all the time. I said, so I was driving to Virginia. I said, where do you want to eat today? Oh, I don't care. Wherever you want to. I said, listen, honey, I'm away from home oftentimes. I got to choose to eat at Arby's or some other place wherever I can pull a truck in. You decide. No, you decide. Oh, does it ever happen like that in your house? <laughs> I never know where to go for sure. But I usually can't go wrong if I choose Cracker Barrel. So There we got it. Plug for Cracker Barrel. But live within your means. I know some people who can't afford to eat out. They shouldn't. They don't have the money. Uh, Don't go buying some new car and sign your name to the ticket. And then you you get the payments for how long? You don't have the cash. Think about it. Oftentimes the anticipation of something is greater than the possession of it. Especially when you marry debt by signing your name. I think you ought to lead your family. This is a ticklish one. Uh, fathers and mothers, I think you should lead your family in discussing current issues as you're eating your meals. You know, I saw something in town today, and, and i it reminded me of this. So you rehearse it. You're careful. You don't run other people down, especially not in the church. You're careful about that. But you're relate, relating life to a godly behavior that somehow... Opens up communication that your children are willing and able and ready to discuss issues with their father and mother. That ought to happen. I know some cases where the children are not even free to talk with their mother and father because they're scared to. That's not good. You don't want to come to that point. You start this on a, on a level when the children are much lower. And you work into that. Maintain A strong teen communication. I said teen communication. Maintain a strong one. Fathers and mothers work hard to be good listeners. Listen. Share your heart with your children and, of course, with your wife. You know what I have for the last one? Love your children's mother. Father, you're going to have to take the lead in that. You're going to show them how you can love your wife. Even when there's times that you really don't feel like doing something special. You need to. Many in America have exalted the physical relationship above the spiritual. They've brought the physical up to such a high level. You can look at billboards. You can look at advertisements all over the place. And there are many things that are elevated above the spiritual relationship, and it's physical. And I'm telling you, that's a mistake. That's not where you want to start, a relationship in your marriage. Now, yes, the physical relationship is proper between a married man and a married woman. It's right and proper. Uh, Hebrews 13, says, marriage is honorable and all and the bed undefiled. There's nothing wrong with that. Prescribed within God's parameters, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge we live, as someone has said, in a pornographic society in America. And our eyes and our minds are so numbed, it's sad. My subject tomorrow night is moral purity. Don't ever let a physical detail of life take priority over the spiritual elements that ought to become and be coming to holiness. I, I'm going to close in just a minute here. Go with me to Philippians chapter three. I wanna read a scripture. Philippians chapter three, verse four. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. Fathers, is there anything better for your children to know you for than the desire to know Christ. There's nothing more valuable. Don't do anything to destroy that or damage that. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I'd already attained. Don't go around and condemn your family. Be careful. I know there's a time for reprimand. I know that. And discipline. I get that. But don't keep your snoot so high in the air that you can't admit that you were wrong. Be careful. Your children pick up on the spirit of what's going on way quicker than you think. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark. Fathers, mothers, children, single people, those that were married have lost their spouse. You can help build that same kind of spirit and attitude within the brotherhood. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If anything, you be otherwise minded. And if you have an honest heart, God shall reveal even that to you. I think that's what that's saying. Nevertheless, where two. we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be ye followers together of me. Mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Boy, that just described American culture. Unsaved people. It's awful. It's a shame. But it's possible to raise children and help have a godly home. Oh, yes, it is. For our conversation, our conduct is on a different level. It's heavenly. From whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Folks. The Bible teaches us to have proper human relationships. The Bible teaches us to have correct order in our homes. The Bible teaches us to keep spiritual things first in all of our relationships. And when obedience to God's word is ignored, it's called sin. And there's one way to take care of sin. Repent. Joy can be restored when we return to obedience. i got to quit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for these people. God, there's many homes represented in this church, in this congregation. I just pray, Father, that you would give all of those fathers in those homes the desire to lead their family in a godly way. I pray for those that are single, those who don't have a partner, who have lost their partner with death, or whatever it might be. God, I pray that you would help them all work toward the same end, that of having a submissive spirit, first of all, to you and to one another. So that they can help build. And so that everyone will have a a, a becoming attitude toward holiness. Oh God help them. Father if there's anyone here tonight. That needs to repent. I pray that you would touch their hearts. And help them to have the courage and grace. To turn around. To back up. And to recognize their failures and confess them, perhaps they need to go to their spouse. Oh, God, help them. God, give us grace that we would take seriously what we think about our homes and our families and keep our priorities straight. Father, thank you for all of these people. I pray, God, that their relationships are good with one another and that they're honoring you in their home life. Bless those young people that are seeking a partner and will if time continues and you don't return. Bless us, Lord. Help us that we would be the people you ought to be able to claim as your own. And that we would would conduct ourselves in a right way. Help us, Father. Help us to commit our ways to you. Guide us as we go to our homes. And bless us as we seek your face. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.